Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Sander Lanch podcast. Today, we are finishing up The Lost Metal with epilogues two through seven, and then we're going to do a little a little reflecting back on uh, on this era of Mistborn and maybe just some Mistborn as a whole type stuff. So in these chapters or in these epilogues, we see a lot of different perspectives leading going from uh, what, like two two days after detonation up to two years after detonation. And just uh, we, we see the results, what, what happens after the story ends, which I kind of like how far they space that out. Anyway, I'm Data, and with me today is Joe, Jamie, and Dak. So hang on to something, everybody. The Sander Lanch is about to begin. So yeah, we had we finished out the last six epilogues, so many epilogues, and then you guys also read a, a little piece of the Ars Arcanum. So what did you guys think of these chapters? Oh man, so many different perspectives. Uh, I guess the most surprising was Alaria. Oh, I can't even say her name. Ari Andri. Yeah. yeah, thank you. <laughs> that one. Her perspective, I actually wasn't expecting. I really, as much as I expected Wayne to take care of this this woman, I did not expect him to leave her his entire fortune save what he had set aside for like gags on his friends so <laughs> that was that was a little shocking but at the same time understandable i guess you could say that without killing her dad he probably would not have been set on the path that he was on to make all that money and do True. all those things and so I, while i was surprised it wasn't you know Super shocking, but each perspective was nice. I kind of was a little jarred by how much time passed by the time we got to the last one. I was surprised that they they decided to to do that much time jump, mm, but I, yeah. I, I wasn't say it was uncalled for. It was just surprising, especially that we don't get Wax's perspective on it directly. We get it through stairs, but we don't get his perspective on it directly until two years after the fact. That was interesting. But maybe he needed that time to grieve. I don't know. I love that we get a little Marsh cameo. That was cool. And then we get some information from the very end bit about compounding and, and spikes and stuff. So that was cool. Yeah, I, I enjoyed the end of this book. And I enjoyed the book as a whole. We could touch on that you know, near the end. But it was, uh, it was a good time. Y'all were theorizing last time about who the, the various perspectives of these epilogues would be. And there was... yeah. I was like, there's one person who neither of you has guessed yet, but I think when you're reading, you'd be like, oh, it makes sense that that person would have a specific yeah. perspective. And so, yeah, yep. that was all re-injury where I was just like, you know, I wasn't expecting it either. But once you read it, it's like, oh, OK, no, that makes sense. Yeah, it makes sense. You're just like, I'm not like, oh, well, they must go to Ari Andre to find out what <laughs> she thinks about it. Honestly, I didn't even remember her name. But uh, yeah, it's, it sounds like she's had a, had some tough a tough go of it besides getting her rent paid for. Right. Yeah, I probably wouldn't remember her name either, except that it's like Alrian with a little thing added, so it right. sticks with me. Yeah, I thought these, I thought these epilogues summed things up fairly well. It was good to get each of those perspectives. I liked like Renette's epilogue. I thought that was quite good. I was also a bit 
funny about like really like that's a lot that you left all re-entry especially when you've then just got practical jokes being delivered to wax yeah right like 120 million boxings is a massive amount like that's not even just set up for life that's that's a huge amount of money and I get like wax doesn't need that sort of money the other guys don't really need that sort of money but I was I was kind of shocked it was that much but she's had a really hard time a hard life I get it the whole context of you know her family sending her away so that she could be successful to then bail them out it's good that she gets a chance to do that and it's I guess looking after the entire family so fair enough I like that Wayne and Renette made up like I know that's sort of something that happens earlier in the book as well but they they got to a point where they seem to have this understanding of each other and it's fine but then to get his uh his his uh or her inheritance I guess from Wayne to extend out her workshop and stuff I thought was very sweet I don't know I thought maybe he'd leave something for Max like not not monetary necessarily but something kind of fun Something that would piss Plain. off his dad. <laughs> Probably, yeah. <laughs> and the, the 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 statue has to have its hat changed every year. I thought that was a bit funny. Yeah, I I didn't feel like the time jump was too weird. It would have been nice to get Wax's perspective maybe a bit earlier, but yeah, maybe what they needed to tell him the story just wasn't there. And it was good to get like that healthier and phased conversation as well. It gives you enough to sort of to sort of wrap up what we're doing. It gives you enough to wrap up like era two sort of nicely, but then opening up to what's happening next, maybe in era three and then the Cosmere as a whole. So I, I liked it. I thought they did a pretty good job of, of wrapping this one. Yeah. When they tell, they tell Ari Andrew, it's like, yeah, you're, as far as we can tell, you're basically the fourth richest person in the city now. And I was like, so I guess she's probably like Wayne had more money than Wax, which we knew Wayne had a lot of money, but I didn't imagine that he was like richer than like the great house that Wax is running or whatever that he like is responsible for an eighth of the people in the octant or or whatever it was. So I was or in the city. So I was just like, wow, okay, that is a lot to give her. Yeah, yeah. So I hope I hope that she looks after her family, but then does something nice with it too, like for other people. Yeah, I mean, maybe given, you know, the position she's in that, uh, you know, she's someone who sees all the bad stuff happening. Maybe she'll be inclined to try to help. Also, I agree about the Renette chapter because I don't I don't know that we've ever seen into Renette's head, into her perspective before. So that was definitely an interesting bit to get at the end here. She's so grumpy. I mean, that's a thing. It's true. But like even in her head, she's like, uh, this is it's my turn to be grumpy now. Uh, yeah, this was a this was a nice conclusion to everything. I enjoyed seeing all the all the varying states, all the all the varying perspectives. Like some of them were all about concluding this, and others were about leaving ominous hints for the future. So there's a nice little blend there. Yeah, I like uh, Wayne. I like some of the things Wayne did, but there are a couple of things in this that really just got in my craw again. Like especially the note he left to Renette saying, hey, I left you guys this thing. I thought, oh, that's lovely. But then he's talking about, yeah, so I'm probably dead. Whatever it is, I hope it's Marisai's fault. I'm like, what the <laughs> fuck, dude? <laughs> she has been up. nothing but great to you, and that is just a really awful thing to say after you're gone. Fucking hell, Wayne, why do you always find a way to ruin it? So, yeah, that one really got under my skin. I loved Steris' chapter. I love watching them both coping together, and like, I, I do think Wax and Steris coming together was actually just a really nice it, it, that was that was a really good relationship and i liked watching it like slowly form uh mm-hmm. into 
what it is over the course of several books rather than it all just happening in one book. I thought that was really nice. And I really liked how Steris, like, she thinks she's getting one job and then it turns out, no, she's getting offered another job, which she's more suited to. And she's like, oh, thank God. Also, yes. So, yeah, that that was really cool. Marsha's cameo was fun, although I'm not entirely certain it was necessary, aside from just a, hey, look, Marsha's still alive sort of thing. But, you know, I'm, no, I'm never going to say no to more Marsh, so cool. <laughs> and, uh, yeah, Kelsey and Sazed. That relationship is obviously strained. Yeah. I mean, we sort of knew it, but it's still, it's one thing to know it, another, another thing to see it, so. Maybe interesting to see where it goes from here. Yeah, yeah. But, um, yeah, on the whole, I think, like, a really well done conclusion to the, like, to the book. Oh, Milan's epilogue was just kind of there. Mm-hmm. The most interesting thing it took out was, like, oh, it's like one of these lizard guy things is with her. Yeah, yeah, we'll, we'll address that when we get there. But, you know, there's the, yeah. we get a new, a new sentient species. Yeah, I think it's because, like, in the, that, um, Quartz Guessing Game episode we did, I completely forgot about that short story, and now that, like, you, like, that episode refreshed that in my head, I'm just like, oh, this is one of those. Yeah, because there was one of those guys in that story, wasn't there? The one talking to Hoyd? Uh, no, I don't, uh, Or was no. Hoyd posing as that? No, no, uh, I mean, he calls, Hoyd calls the guy that he's talking to in that, like, the old lizard or something, I think, but, uh, that is, I... At least the the general uh, assumption there is that that guy was a dragon. Yeah, well. Uh, yeah. So on first read, I was with you, Dak. I, I called back to that story and was like, oh, but then it said something about four arms. And I was like, I don't remember the guy having four arms. Yeah, he did. Well, it, well yeah. the story was kind of light on description, though. Yeah, it's a little bit. Yeah, you're not. True. Right. Yeah, I did not. I did not think of that, especially when they say chalky white skin. I, it made me think of like. And four arms, honestly, it made me think of, like, a albino uh, Goro from Mortal Kombat, sort of made me <laughs> But, yeah, so I, I, I really agree with you about, like, the Steris-Wax relationship. This may be the first time in Brandon's writing that we've read so far that we get to see a relationship develop over such a long period of time and yet, like, be so central to the story. Yeah, yeah. I will also say, as far as the epilogues, I'm like, we really don't see a lot of the kids in this which was surprising again i'm just i'm just sort of shocked that such a big deal was made out of max in the beginning of the book and then he just petered out Mm -hmm. and didn't really even come back at the end even in the epilogues like you know he was in steris's epilogue um and it was and it was really cute but he wasn't central yeah it gave you enough of like oh my gosh you've got this cute son and it's identifying that child so that when you do realize that wax could have been the one that lost his life all the stuff that he would have left behind rather than going oh he has two children and now they've been left behind you're like oh max who is he going to throw the ball with and yeah yeah like it gives you that emotional element to it yeah, yeah. absolutely well and also I, I i think he he just wants to he wanted to establish that they have kids and you couldn't be like oh yeah by the way they have kids and then Without not showing. address them at all so <laughs> yeah they, they oh, it's, you had to time. have definitely some time tell even if they weren't going to be central to the story. Yeah. I guess just thinking about it, I just think, oh man, we really didn't get a lot with Max. Like we, like, yeah, we saw, we saw a bit in the early chapters, which was nice, but then we didn't really see him much having good times with his mum, or mm. like, you know, there's mentions of uncle, of uncle Wayne, which was cool, but also like, and one thing I realized we never even got a single hint of was the kids hanging out with their cool auntie Marisai, which come on, Marisai would be an amazing aunt. Yeah. And I want to see that. Agreed. I hadn't really thought about that before, but that's a really good point, yeah. Yeah. Okay. 
I guess let's let's do this thing. Let us move into the epilogue number two, where we started this time, is Steris's, and it is two days after detonation. So we had ten hours with Marisai, and now it's two days. And it's two days because that's when they finally get to bring Wax home from the hospital. And Hoyt is still driving them, so he's still hanging around. And they have uh, they have this brief survivor's guilt thing where he's like, if, if only I hadn't given Wayne that spike, then he wouldn't have been able to push me off the boat. And Steris has to be the person who's like, look, you have to let Wayne make his own decisions. He was the hero. You have to let him, like, have that. It's it's not all about you, basically. And he's like, yeah, you're right. And then Marisai still doesn't believe he's gone, which we saw in her thing. She's like, no, I don't buy it. And the thing is, even two years at the in the last epilogue, two years later, she's like, I mean, is he really dead, though? So she really spent a long time thinking maybe Wayne's really out there somewhere. I guess from another to put another spin on it, they have been confronted with the truth about ghosts and stuff. So she's not ruling out the possibility. It's like, well, could Wayne just be a ghost? Mm. Wayne was also worried about that. So that's fair. Yeah. I imagine if Wayne was a ghost, it'd basically be like Ghost Napper from Dragon Ball Abridged. <laughs> that actually, yeah, I could absolutely see that. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Wax. 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 I'm haunting you. Wax. Then they, they get a little flirty moment together. Wax and his wife stares. It's just, it's pretty cute, actually. And then Steris has a, a bunch of quotes from Wayne that she wants to. She's like, you know, maybe we should start using these quotes just to remember him. It's only it's the only proper way to honor the dead <laughs> with the butt grabbing. Well, there's a, he's like, like, you made that quote up. No, and I she, didn't. She shows him it's written on the thing. <laughs> and uh, but uh, and then Max is here. Speaking of, here's Max's uh, brief appearance where he's like, hold, hold on, hold on. You skipped over his, uh, like, the other quote. He's like, thank you for being you. It's the only thing I'm good at other than throwing cows at people. <laughs> the fuck? I feel like that, <laughs> that so feels weird. like a reference back to something that I'm not remembering. That's the only thing I can think of. You'll have to do a search later yeah. across awful mm-hmm. books. Cow. Cow, I, yeah. See, to me, it made me think of, like, you know, the the... Oh. Expression oh, don't it. have a cow man, and I don't know if throwing cows fits in there somewhere, but apparently Data remembers it. So what is yeah, it? Yeah, um, it, it's I, th- I think it's in Alloy of Law when he first meets Steris, he's posing as Wax's uncle, and he sees and like she does her whole contract thing, and then there's a moment where he tells Wax like you know don't ask her to like pass the milk for tea or whatever because she's liable to throw a whole cow at you just to be safe. Uh, oh, that's right. Yeah, they recall that. Yeah. That was, what, like a year ago now? <laughs> yeah, it's been a while, huh? Max is here, and uh, they say that uh, you stop the bad guys. You save the world, Dad. He's like, I mean, yeah, Wayne helped, though. Janet at school says you're also supposed to get the girl when you save the world, but that's stupid. I don't like girls. Very cute little boy moment. I love I love the not even mom. Mom's not a girl. She's a mom. Obviously. Come on. It's like, ah, uh, yep, yep. Brandon definitely has kids. <laughs> right. On behalf of the mom. Feel seen. Uh, Let's see. And so then Saris gets her letter from the governor. And she's thinking like, oh, he fired Adawath when he's not going to. Which is funny because Dak had the same assumption before we even got to here. Where he's like, obviously the governor's going to ask her to be the new assistant governor, right? Or lieutenant governor or whatever. Which I feel like she could have done it, but she's much more happier in this role. So I'm like, all right, you take that one. That's that you do you. Yeah, it seems like I feel like the lieutenant governor is probably more of a people please glad handing sort of uh, well, role. And she's not necessarily uh, excited about that prospect. 
like I, I I thought she could do it because like it was all about spin doctor and having things prepared in case the mm. government fucks up. So in that case, Steris could easily do it. But you know, this is yeah, this this one's this is still works. I think he's like identified a massive gap in their structure anyway, so he knew that role was needed. She's great for it. But if he was to put Steris straight in as deputy, I feel like there would be backlash on him too. So he's got to be like yes identify things went wrong, make changes, move forward, but also don't piss everyone off in the cabinet. Mm, that's fair. Well, and it really is. I mean, I assume this is a new position since they didn't have any sort of disaster preparation as far as we can tell before this. So it, it really is something that she's kind of perfect for. So yeah. I don't, I don't uh, fault him at all. Yeah. But yeah. He, he wants Steris to take the position of the city's disaster preparations officer. She'll have a seat on the council and he, she gets her own task force to ensure Ooh. the city's prepared and outfitted for any and all potential disasters or relevant dangers, whatever that means. <laughs> I'm that's being hailed the, as that's a, the catch-all. Sorry. sorry, that's the catch-all for it may be required to do adi- additional duties from time to time <laughs> line. Yeah, <laughs> there you go. I'm being hailed as a hero and a decisive leader, and I would not deserve either of those accolades without your intervention. It's so true. But it's it's nice that he can recognize that. Absolutely, yeah. Like we, because yeah, a lot, of pe- a lot of people would have just been shit. like, "I'm so great." Yeah, yeah. We've given this guy so much shit over the course of the book, and it's nice that he had the self awareness to go, "Oh, yeah, okay, I need to work on this." So mm. look at that character development. Now maybe he's earned some of those medals he was wearing. Well, let's not go too far. <laughs> but she's just like Steris earned those medals. Disaster preparations officer. That's not terrifying at all. That might be fun. So it's good that she's happy. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, her idea of fun. And the tsunami wasn't nearly as bad as she feared it would be, which that's good to know because we didn't really have any information on that. And Wax is congratulating her. and He's like, what if instead of quoting Wayne, we honor him by deciding to make an effort to let ourselves be happy? What do you think of that Lady Ladrian? And she says, I think, Lord Ladrian, I should like that very much. That's a very sweet ending for the two of them. Then we skip to five days after detonation for Alriandri, who's coming back from work. She's not feeling it. Her job involves like carrying bits of metal or sorting through bits of metal and then taking it to be melted down. Yeah, it honestly sounds a lot like a job that Wayne's mom would have had. Yeah, I can see that. Yep. And uh, she's uh, she's got a, like a, a toddler. She's got a three year old who I guess her landlady looks after during the day and. Uh, Who's drawing on the wall with toothpaste as she gets there and her rent is due. And she's like, oh, his payments has never been late before. I'm sure I'm sure he'll come soon. So she's relying on Wayne to uh, survive in the city. I guess she doesn't read the papers because it was mentioned that he died. Yeah. Yeah. And that comes up here in a minute. But she's uh, we find out she's she's made some bad decisions and uh, in, like includes she's gotten deep into debt with the wrong people, but also. She's she's thinking about how mu- how something you love so much like this little girl could be a reminder of one of the greatest mistakes you'd ever made. So I guess uh, she hooked up with the wrong guy. Yep. And then there's a knock at the door and she's like, oh, it's like the guy's coming to collect on that debt that I owe. They usually show up a week after I get my payment. But it is, in fact, a short, boring guy and tall, boring guy. Uh, Mr. Call and Mr. Daring from Call and Son and Daughters Accounting and Estate. Really need to workshop that name. They so do. It's just it's it's it's, so, it's a little much. It doesn't even acronym very well. C S D A E. No, yeah, you're right. It doesn't. I didn't even think about that before, but it doesn't. And she's just like, 
they're like, hey, we got something we want to discuss with you. Can we come in? And she's like, I don't have the money. There's nothing in here for you to steal. So just and then if you hurt my daughter, they're like, I, there seems to be a misunderstanding here. I don't think we're who you think we are. <laughs> we represent the estate of Master Wayne Terraceborn of 662 Inkling Lane. I wonder if he had a house or if that's like Wax's house. <laughs> like a shed next door to Wax's place. And she's like, oh, did he finally get smart and stop insisting I meet him in person? And the guy's like, he did, actually. But that's not what this is about. And she's like, why is his payment late? And you haven't do you not read the papers? She's like, do I look like I have time for reading papers? Give me the money. I got to get some sleep. And they're like, he died last week. Uh, it was quite spectacular. He was the one that detonated that bomb. And she's like, all right, I heard something about that bomb. And she she's like, he's dead. She can't decide how she feels about it. It's like happy. The man who killed her father was finally dead. She should be overjoyed, shouldn't she? Instead, she feels confused, a little angry still, and a hint of relief, but mostly just sorry for how it all turned out. Sorry for mistakes. Mistakes didn't always turn into something better, not by a long mile. But she could understand now how they happened, even the big ones, which that's kind of – I don't think that it's the same kind of big mistake exactly, the ones that you know and, and murdering an innocent man. But she she's like – on some level, she kind of understands Wayne a little bit. Yeah. It's not always so black and white. Yeah. And they're like, shall we? And she's like, what are you, what? Shall we? You're the primary beneficiary of Master Wayne's estate. And she's like, hey, what does that add up to? Three balls of gum and an unpaid bar tab? Ha! Burn. <laughs> and the guys, without missing a beat, the guy's just like, oh, about 20 million boxings, liquid, and uh, about another hundred in holdings and uh, and ownerships and in various things. And she's like, wait, what? What? Wait, what? Did you say 120 million? I mean, yeah, depending on the market. And the, can can we please come in? We got some stuff we need to go over here. And so we find out that her her debt, she'd gone into debt for an art studio that failed. 10,000 boxings in debt, which that I think is probably a lot. Yeah. Yeah. And again, like, I mean, obviously she didn't think he made that much money, but it's like, I know you don't like him. You hate him. But this guy is giving you money all the time. You didn't think to ask him for a loan for your art studio? But I guess you would never That's do that. True. I don't know. I guess that would involve talking to him and she couldn't bring herself to do that. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, she had to anyway, but yeah. So this is where they tell her, like, you're the fourth richest person in the city now. There's a few holdbacks, uh, but that comes out to less than 500000 So it makes me wonder, like, how uh, the holdbacks we know, he gave, he, he left some money for Annette and then he paid these guys to play pranks on wax for the foreseeable future i wonder how much he paid them. <laughs> it's like a thousand boxings a week to play a joke on him every week <laughs> oh that would be hilarious actually i wonder if like the things he was investing in like the noseball league and all that sort of stuff like is there holdbacks set aside for those things as well or it's a good question uh, that may just be wrapped up in when he said there's like you know a hundred million in various stuff that oh uh, yeah it could be stake ownership yeah, um, I don't know. Also, I, don't, also, I don't know how far they've gotten in that noseball league idea. Yeah. Well, I mean, that was only really a couple of days ago, so. Right, exactly. It's never mentioned anywhere in the books, but I assume Wayne had to have bought, like, a hat-making place, yeah? One would think, right? That was probably, like, his first business purchase. May, you know, maybe the, you don't want them fresh <laughs> off the off the presses. You you need a used hat that somebody's been wearing. Maybe he yeah. buys a second-hand hat store. Ah, see, there you go. Like a refurbisher <laughs> or something. It's like, this is the best second hand. It's like, this is the accounts are like this. The best second hand hat store we've ever seen, sir. How are you doing? He's like, well, I buy all the hats. Yeah, exactly. 
Maybe that's where he lives. He just got a, a like uh, an apartment above like the secondhand hat store. <laughs> this is great. Got a whole history of Wayne in his hat store. Yeah. Yeah, and he, and be known to everyone else, he actually had like a neighbor who's or excuse me, a roommate who's like really clean cut and like organized, and he was always like, "Oh, Wayne." Is <laughs> a hat maker even cold? Hang on. Nobody, nobody likes my odd couple joke. I, I, you know, it was an odd couple joke. I thought it was good. Haberdasher was a dealer of hats or caps. Uh, okay. Uh, milliner. Hat, hat maker is called a milliner or hatter. A hatter. Wait. That makes sense. Yeah. Wait, was it? Yeah. Was Wayne's whole thing about the hats Uncle. just a fucking mad hatter joke? Oh. <laughs> that he had mercury poisoning. <laughs> yeah, that I was about to say. I hope they're not using mercury in this age. That's not no, an romantic metal that we know. Right. But I mean, you know, it could still cause them poisonous things. What what if that was like a ferrochemical metal? How do you even like store it in the liquid? <laughs> in in like a tube, yeah? Well, but but then you're not touching it to like store or draw Oh, I see stuff. what you're saying. I mean, I guess you'd still have to consume it. Not for ferrochemi. Oh, oh, I see what you're saying. Um, yeah, that is a good point. Well, it's not a ferrochemical metal. That's it's probably not, why. So, yeah. That's probably why Brando was like, "Well, you can't use mercury because that doesn't make any sense for what I'm doing here." Can you imagine Honestly. mercury is the one you stored health in? <laughs> <Yeah>. Irony. <laughs> so Wayne also left her a, a handwritten note that just said "sorry," and she's thinking that I mean, with that money, I could bring my family to Ellendale. You could do a lot. You could bring a whole town to Ellendale if you want with that money. <laughs> Yeah, she's really not thinking big, like big scale here. Uh, it's hard. She, it's hard. She doesn't need to. She's set for life. I yeah. know. It's just like I understand, like the shock. She's still in shock, probably about the amount of money. But when he says 120 million boxing, she's like, I can move my whole family to Ellendale. I'm like, well, yeah. <laughs> you, you could do that probably with like a hundred thousand boxings or less, possibly. Like, what are you talking about? I feel like the 10,000 probably could have moved your family here. Not, not set them up to like survive right. long term, but. Right. And uh, established. I like at the end where she's like, what are the holdbacks? I mean, I'm not complaining. I'm just kind of curious. And they're like various things, each of an individual nature, <laughs> which, yeah, they, they kind of are. Well, I feel like that's that's not necessarily something that I would expect someone to ask in that situation. I think it's more uh, setting up the, the joke for us. But then yeah, we get none of your business, lady. Yeah, <laughs> right. Like you got one hundred and twenty, just, just one hundred and twenty million. Just just let it go. Well, she well, she owns it like the rest of the stuff. It's like, like you know, she's she's kind of entitled, I guess. Uh, OK, I'll allow it. We blog four is three weeks after detonation. And this is Kelsier. Kelsier, the survivor, liked high places. Fortunately, the city, as it had become, contained plenty of them. He was one of the few who could remember when the grand keeps of Luthadel had been considered lofty, stretching up sixteens of feet into the air. Which I don't know if we've actually seen them reference it like that, sixteens of feet or whatever before. But I mean, they do have like a a, a number system based on sixteen, so yeah, it makes sense. Kelsier did not see as he once had. He had one normal eye and the other a spike where he can see an overlay of blue, letting him see the world as a being like Sazed did. Outlining not only sources of metal, but all things. The very axi that made up matter had their own polarity. Influenceable was still pushing under the right circumstances. So he's saying this is a revolutionary statement that he's like, you can use steel pushing on like atoms if uh, under the right circumstances. Magneto is very interested. Right? One eye of the gods, one eye of common men, as he had always tried to see the world. That's a little full of yourself, dude, but I mean, okay. 
It's Kelsia. Yeah, yeah, that's a fair point. And he's meeting with Harmony, whose dark double is not here, uh, but apparently he's seen that before. And Sace lets him know that Marsh is going to live. And Kelsey's like, wait, does that mean that we have Adium? Or and he tells him that the Chondra found Adium dust in the lab. And it looks like detonating harmonium against Trellium, or I suppose Bavadinium would be its true name, because Autonomy's chart holder we heard we, we learned was named Bavadin. It creates a small amount of adium as a byproduct. And Kelsier asks if there's loracium, and he's like, nope, sorry. We, we tested it. Totally, it gets destroyed in the explosion. Which, so I mean, I, I'm confused here. Is that a lie? What is, what is, like, where did Wayne get the loracium? No, he's he's lying to Kelsier here. Yes, absolutely. <laughs> okay, because yeah. in a moment, yep. right, because in a moment, Kelsier's say, like, saying, yeah, Says never lies to me. So that's like, I was like, wait, what? Hmm. Yeah, well, so Kelsey that... thinks he's got the upper hand here when right. Saved is going lying through his teeth because he definitely did not want anyone to know. Yeah. It, it's it's actually kind of funny because if you remember back to Secret History, at the very end of Secret History, after Saves becomes God, Kelsey's like, yeah, I mean, do, do you think there's any way for me to get back into a body? And Saves just like, um, yeah, no, I don't think so. And then Kelsey's like, man, even after he became a God, Saves is a terrible liar. I guess he's uh, he's picked up a few things since then. Interesting. Well, like Rowan's whole shtick was lying to people, so mm, he did do that. But he says tells Kelsier that the loracium wouldn't work on you anyway, not in your current state. And Kelsier is arguing that we need allomancers, real allomancers, like in the old days, if we're going to face what's coming. This problem would never have happened if we had proper metalborn. And says is like, I mean, so you agree with the set? Their monstrous undertakings in the name of creating metalborn. And Kelsier is not actually sure. Sometimes to make an omelet, you had to break a few skulls. If hemallergy was demanded, there was always someone around who was the strict opposite of innocent. So he's like, we'll take bad guys and we'll hemallergy them. Problem solved. Which, yeah, totally see Kelsier doing that. Yeah. Like, because even even in the original Mistborn, he was kind of dark and just like, if you if you are one of the people against me, no mercy, I will do whatever the hell I need to to you. Yeah, he's definitely an ends justify the means type of dude has been i think that's like maybe part of the thing part of the thing vin was trying to tell him at the end of secret, secret history but i i still don't you know he obviously still hasn't learned it and says tells him that even the simple act of trying to breed alamancers it leads to darkness trying to create perfect people through forced breeding you don't have to be a terror you don't have to be terrorist to find that idea nauseating and i hadn't even thought about that but it's true like the the terrorist people in say's time that they've been forced bred for like centuries that's I can see why it would be particularly offensive to him. Yeah. And because you're just like, well, maybe Ruin and Preservation should have thought of that before giving genetically derived powers to only part of the population. My goal is to democratize this, take the power away from the few, give it to the many. Loracium would have been the easiest way, but we don't have that. Fine. Loracium wouldn't have worked on him, and hemallergy had proven ineffective on what he'd become. It held his soul to his body, but no more. He hoped that he could control the metals again hope that he would be able to soar again so kelsier doesn't have alamancy or ferrochemy based on this which i feel like that's the first time we've really heard that because we're waiting for him to show up and yep have this show-stopping entrance or anything but he can't do any of that he really is just sort of the the go-between yeah he's effectively back to what he was before the pits yeah which was before, before he snapped it was still formidable he was still impressive before that but yeah. Yeah. The 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 big question this raises for me though is who created the bands of mourning? Mm. 
we'd assume that it was him, that he had all the powers somehow and that he created this thing that could give everybody somebody all the powers. But apparently not. Well, all right. So if he doesn't have the powers, then there's only one person we know who does who did have all like mm-hmm. the powers who was alive at that point, And that's Marsh. So did he contract his brother for that? Could be. I mean, I so mean, it was definitely him down in the south because like that was his memory, like right. the spike in the eye and everything. So did he like call Marsh up and say, hey, I need you down here. And Marsh had to come down and just like help him out a bit. So and the thing about that is and there's actually been some discussion in the uh, in the discord recently around uh, not this exactly, but a similar thing. So the powers that Marsh has, Marsh was wasn't, you know, spiked to just here's a spike. You get all the powers, right? Every power that Marsh has had to be given to him individually via a spike back in that time during the final or after at the end of the final empire, when he starts getting the extra spikes from ruin, you would have to kill a full ferrochemist for every single ferrochemical power that you wanted to spike someone with. So to me, I'm like, well, did they really bother? Like they had a bunch of inquisitors and only a limited number of ferrochemists that you could use that you could murder to get powers from. You feel like they would probably err on the side of useful things like, you know, pewter, or steel ferrochemical powers, did they, would they, uh, or gold, you know, health, would they have wasted a ferrochemist to give someone, to give Marsh the ability to store identity or investiture or, you know, information like in a copper mine? Because each one of those would require a whole ferrochemist murdered to give it to him. And would you waste time on that? Honestly, I'm surprised that they did, they gave him Adium. Because there's no reason for the Lord Ruler to have given him Adium. That's, I feel like, not something he would have wanted the Inquisitors to have because that lets you stand up to him. No, he 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 didn't. Like he, he like all the Inquisitors had an identical set of spikes. Yeah. When the Lord Ruler was yeah, he of, didn't get those until Ruin took like, him over. Yeah. Yeah, it was and the end of Hero of Ages. He rocks up to the final <laughs> battle in Luthadel, and and Vin's just like, Jesus Christ, you're more spiked than man. And so why would Ruin give? The Inquisitor, any Inquisitor, the ability to store age, he, his his plans were not long term. The world was going to end soon. So it's weird to me that either of the people <clears throat> involved in creating Inquisitors would have wasted a ferrochemist on well, Adium. I think by Ruin's nature, if if by chance Marsh was of a mind to destroy someone to give himself another power – Ruin's nature of destruction would have allowed it simply due to the fact that he's destroying something. Mm, interesting. Yeah. Just I, like, yeah. Okay. Yeah. Like Ruin's not going to argue with that. He's like, oh yeah, you're killing that guy. Great. Kill some more yeah. people. I mean, you you could argue it's like, yeah, that seems kind of out of character for Ruin to do it. I think Joe's Joe's idea has a lot of merit, but what you were saying, Data, is like it seems kind of out of character. Well, it's like, well, that's irrelevant at this point because the fact remains, it was done. So there had to be yeah. a reason for it, whether or not Bran is just holding on, holding it close to his chest at this point, and we'll reveal it later. But there had to have been a reason because it it happened. Yeah, that's a fair point. Oh, I think so. Then the other thing I can really think of is if even though Ruin knew the world was going to end and that was that, did he know or did Ruin know that the consciousness of Ruin would continue? Like the shard doesn't disappear. It's true. So that's it doesn't mean it necessarily yeah. needed to benefit him in this world or this life but to have someone like marsh around to effectively do your bidding you know we're looking at marsh's death and that's fine Mm. but that's because harmony's influence if ruin's influence increases over harmony then maybe that unlocks something in marsh for future 
Yeah, interesting. Yeah, he could, could, could have had plans for him outside, yeah. That, and he still needed Marsh, even if he destroyed the world first, he still needed Marsh to find his body, because he was very adamant that he wanted his body back. That's true, too. He needed um, the, he wanted that adium. So, yeah, it could have been, you know, I need him to survive all this, so I need to give him as many powers as possible, because I need my body. But uh, and for for the same reasons that I had for that though, or similar reasons, I feel like Marsh probably doesn't have like Wayne or Marisai Alamancy powers because they didn't have Cadmium and Bendeloy. It would be impossible to find Mistings for Cadmium and Bendeloy in the days of the Final Empire to, to kill to take their power. So he probably can't do speed bubbles unless he subsequently killed someone. But I kind of doubt that he would do that. Okay, well, I guess that's a possibility. But then there's also the fact that. Ruin presumably knew there were powers. Whether or not he was able to work out people had those powers when they themselves didn't know is another matter. Yeah. But it's, now, it's I think possible that we Ruin learned, could have seen people. I think that we learned in the in the in one of the books, like we see Marsh go after a guy who was using some power, and it was like you had to somebody had to use the power before they could find them. Ah, uh, okay. Had to seek it out, I guess. That makes sense. Like he was using his secret powers uh, to find it. That makes sense. Yeah. Okay. But anyway, so yeah, just some 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 thoughts on that that tally with some discussions we were having in the the thing. But yeah, so when I read this, I was just, I, I was shocked that Kelsier has no powers apparently, and I was like, but what, where did this stuff come from then? I hadn't actually thought of Marsh as a possible source. That's a that's a good thought. I, I do like Kelsier's. I'm fond of heights more so than when I was fully mortal. Maybe part of me holds a grudge against the ground for what she did to me in those caves. Freaking ground. <laughs> explosions to make adium i wonder if there will ever be a way to get it that isn't traumatic and he says how could you let things get this far says and says says i had it in hand like hell you did you're lucky that lawman could function after you what you put him through six years ago I, kelsier's up to date on what's going on apparently he's got spies everywhere lucky the other one was a slider i still can't figure out how he managed that partial detonation because only yeah only wayne and god were there for that and so he says he tells says you can't protect this world so you have, we have to face that something's happening to you and says, says, I have it in hand. And Kelsier says, do you really? And says, like, OK, what, what do you want me to do? What do you want from me? And Kelsier says, there's people out there we could ally with Moonlight's world. So sell the land of the Aethers. Hell, maybe even Mythos. We need a that's, way to reach them. That's a first, isn't it? Mythos? I feel like. I, hold on. Yes, I think that you are right. That that is the first yeah. time that we've heard that name. I don't remember hearing it, but uh, yeah, I'm sure Data knows what it is already. Well, no, I was I was thinking that they, that she mentioned some world that they couldn't reach earlier in the book, and I was like, was that that world? But no, I guess it was not. No, yeah, it was um, starts with an S, didn't it? I don't remember. I'm gonna have to look it. Hold on. Interesting that he calls um, Cell Moonlight's world. Yeah. Like considering she's not his only agent from that planet that we right? know of. Uh, okay, so he, earlier she uh, speaking of the other person from that planet that we know, she said travel to Biendal, B J E N D A L, has been completely upset. Okay, so yeah, some some something else. So he's like, we need a way to contact to get to these people, and Shades Mars unreliable. You, I know you can barely get your Chandra out into the wider Cosmere. Crossing Shades Mars anymore is like walking into the hands of various gods who absolutely want us dead. So. It's, Kelsier wants says to help them develop technology, more advanced technology, technology that could take them through space. Basically, autonomy shares with her people the things that they can do with electricity and industry and says, like, no, people need to discover this stuff on their own. 
we should let the decades play out, become centuries, let humankind find their own path. And Kelsier's like, we can't wait. If you do, if you don't do something, we'll discover that technology when enemies bearing it come to destroy us. That sentence made me think of Six of the Dusk. Mm-hmm. Even though that's like tens of thousands of years in the future, I think. Yeah, however long it is in the future, it's uh, it's it's quite far. Yeah. Although I think Brandon has talked about like his original t- timeline uh, thoughts may become more compressed as we go through this, and there won't be maybe these thousands of years in between that we currently think there are. Okay. Interesting. And eventually says is like I'll consider what what you're what you're saying. He's like consider it. You gotta you gotta do something, man. Yes, her, her army withdrew from Shadesmar, and you're welcome for my help, my people's help with that, by the way. But autonomy will be back. We need Alamancers. We need Ferrochemists. Is there a way to expand our access to Metalborn? They have the seed inside them, don't they? The heart of preservation. And Say says, I don't know. And Kelsier asks him if he's lying. And Say goes, Have I ever lied to you, old friend? And that's uh. Kelsier says, I'm going to protect our people, whatever the cost. Please tell me I don't have to protect them from you. And Say says, that ent- that depends entirely on you, old friend. And that's the end of that. That's a, that's a threatening, threatening way to say that. Yeah. Yeah. And it's a, not nearly uh, as concrete or uh, solid a uh, a result from the Kelsier Sazed conversation that I think we were we all kind of saw coming or at least hoped that it was coming. But I don't know if they actually reach any sort of conclusions. No, it really seems as though they're setting it up as like a, a future book could easily have the two of these guys fighting against each other. And like, well, that's going to be. Absolutely. Yeah. And it's it's funny because we've always talked about for a long time how Kelsier could totally be a bad guy in the right circumstances. Yeah. But here, I don't know that I side with Kelsier over because something weird is happening to Sazed and Sazed doesn't seem to want to acknowledge it. So I don't know. Yeah. But I mean, how do we comprehend that? We can't understand the mind of a god who can right. see That's possible true. futures and everything. So I'm like, oh, I'm not qualified to make that call. But Sazed being the bad guy is not something I would have called at any point. So uh, if that happens, that will be unexpected to me. Yeah, true. Oh, one of us called it in the original book. Yeah. I, can't remember who. You know, I don't think we were thinking this far forward, but right. still. I think, was that, did Jamie say that one? No, I don't remember. We'd I don't think I thought it was bad. We'd okay. have to go back in the vault for that one. I don't remember. <laughs> yeah. Into the vault. Uh, listeners who speed who speed listen to our podcast, someone clear that up for us. <laughs> so, okay. Uh, epilogues five of seven is Renette six months after detonation. So she had a honeymoon. So I guess they got married uh, and, and they went on a honeymoon to the south. And she she's like, it was dreadful, full of relaxing and reading books and seeing sights. Not a single gun. And she, she, she's telling her her new wife, you better appreciate this. <laughs> At first I was like, oh, come off it. Like, have a break. Surely you enjoy a bit of a break. And then I was like, you know what, Renette? I'm happy for you. That you found so much happiness in what you do and you don't hate it. That's nice. Yeah. I wish I wish everyone could leave, uh, achieve that level of happiness in their day-to-day and Not only that, she, she found someone that is happy with her and will tolerate uh, yeah. her single-mindedness on that, which is more impressive to me. Very, well, it's, yeah. It's not just that, it's like, she must find it endearing in a way. I guess. Renette tells her, having fun gets boring too quickly. And finally, Jaxie gets her to admit, fine, it wasn't awful, it was almost enjoyable, even if that place is weird. I wish Wax hadn't discovered it. But the car keeps going past their house, and she, Jaxie says, now I want to show you something. 
This isn't more fun, is it? I'm so full of it by this point. I feel like barfing it all right back out. You're so romantic. Jaxie replies. <laughs> and and Renette is like, I'd been careful not to spoil the actual honeymoon with my behavior. But this is supposed to be my turn now. This is where I get to be grouchy. <laughs> we also find out that tensions are growing between the north and the south. And uh, there's talk of co- closing the borders. And they reach the location of her workshop, which she says she had a little place on a small plot of land, which had now been expanded to a very large place on a small plot of land. It was a wedding gift from Wayne. Some nice men showed up with a sum from Wayne after, you know, and he said, I was supposed to do something nice for you. The instructions said very clearly, not in a skeevy way. <laughs> and, and Renette has this thing where she's like, I, it's, it's weird. I, I miss Wayne. Once he'd learned... And shockingly, people could learn how not to be slime. They'd actually become friends. Of course, he'd gone out in the most incredible explosion ever, so she hadn't felt that bad. If you had to die, then hell, that was the way to go. I, yeah. yeah. She and Wayne see eye to eye on that. Yeah. And I like that this note was written in crayon that, wax, that uh, Wayne left for them. <laughs> the fellows in suits say, I got to write this and make decisions. Apparently, they think my job is high risk. And here's where he's like, I hope it was Marisai's fault, because she's always telling me I'm going to get her into trouble. And it'd be nice if it, the hat were on her head instead. Oh, Marisai. I feel like as long as he doesn't say that to Marisai, then... I think it's still a bit... Considering he lived a lot of his life on survivor's guilt, it is incredibly cruel of him to make a joke about uh, it for someone yeah. else. That's a fair point. Well, let's blame Brandon. Let's not blame Wayne. <laughs> I'll and blame who I want to blame. It ends with her saying that she misses Wayne. There wasn't ever a person I've known who was more fun to shoot. <laughs> and then we get 19 months after detonation, Melon's epilogue. She receives, she's in Shadesmar being, she's sailing across Shadesmar in a boat, not a dead person boat, I guess, as far as we know. <laughs> Which is really too bad. Cause you know, that'd be pretty sweet. But she gets a message. She's like, do you even know what those messengers are? And her guide tells her it's an invested entity that can read connection to find anyone anywhere. And she goes, that's kind of unnerving, which I agree. That is a little bit unnerving. Yeah. Yeah. Jan Ven, creature with four arms, chalk white skin and large, almost reptilian eyes. Which it says that Jan Ven shrugged just four arms. Do all four yeah. of them shrug? Do only two of them shrug? How does this work? I would assume I would assume if the. If the anatomy is based like I think it would be, it said the top two shrug, but I don't know. In my mind, Jan Ven is holding, like, whatever she's using to pull the boat forward with two arms and the other two shrugged. Yeah, Yeah, that makes sense. Uh, Her hair was wide, like blades of grass. Shodell were apparently rare out here, but made excellent guides. So Shodell is another species, and we have not, as far as I know, met them before. Of the original people, uh, th- and this is something we know from from Brandon, of the original people who took up the uh, the 16 shards of Adenalsium, there's at least one Shodell in there. Ooh. Oh, interesting. So one of these people was or is a shard. And you can spot them by the uh, – the, or you can usually spot them by the – when they're being referenced by the name convention. They got these two names, uh, two name names basically. Hmm. Interesting. And so she's got an envelope from the Silverlight Mercantile, and it's a note from Harmony explaining that Wayne has died. Uh, he stopped the attack and died in the process. And, she, you know, she's she's not happy about this. He he was supposed to find someone else. He was supposed to, like, you know, be happy. 
And despite what she said to him earlier, uh, she seemed to have deeper feelings than she let on based on what she's saying here. It was yeah. supposed to have been a fling. She was just so damn awful at being immortal. <laughs> I think the idea we gather from this, at least in my opinion, is that just because something is brief or what's the word I'm looking for temporary doesn't mean it means less than something hmm. that is that is more permanent. So, you know, whether whether that's a relationship in it in itself or and, and you know, in some fiction it's argued that relationships are more important because they're temporary than the longer ones. But I think this is a good trope to kind of continue on in in fiction in my opinion. I think to say that something temporary is extremely power can be extremely powerful is uh, is a good lesson. So mm. I uh, I identified with this portion a lot, and I thought it was a good I thought it was a good little little added thing, and it kind of gives us some closure as readers of their relationship. It's like it did actually mean something to her. It wasn't just like it didn't mean something to just Wayne, you know? Yeah. yeah. And uh, her guide asks if she wants to put off landing. She can see land up ahead. Hundreds of people with strange outfits, many with odd red hair, lost, and it was her task to save them. She says, no, I have a duty here. After all, she could remake, rebuild, and regenerate her heart. That was what her kind did. It's a little bit sad. And we end with epilogue seven. Wax's epilogue two years after detonation. They'd commissioned a statue of Wayne. Which, you know, he saved the city. That's fair. He should have a statue. And his statue is uh, is right is in the field of rebirth, right near the statues of uh, the, the last emperor and the ascendant warrior. The hardest part had been deciding which hat it should be wearing. In the end, the answer had been obvious. They had to make it changeable. That's that's great, actually. So he starts out. Uh, this first hat is uh, a bronze version of his lucky hat. He was larger than life size, smiling slyly with an outstretched hand, probably so you could pick your pocket with the other one. But most people would think he was offering help. They were going to replace the hat once a year. That, that, that's a that's a neat idea. I like that, actually. Except that you, it better be connected in some way so somebody doesn't try to run off with it. I'm sure they've got like a, a padlock or something through it. See, on the contrary, I think it should be absolutely removable and that people could just leave something in place. <laughs> fair trade. Yep. Fair point. Yeah, that would that'd be what Wayne would really want. <laughs> There's, and then the city has to keep spending money on making a new on making one. new ones, yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, I, I think it'd be better if it was like a vending machine system. Like you were required to deposit something into the machine, and then it would spit something random back out at you. <laughs> <laughs> I think that would be more interesting. There, there's a plaque inscribed here that says, you are meant to be helping people. And then there's a second smaller one. That says, ain't no fellow who regretted giving it one extra shake, but you can bet every guy has regretted giving it one too few. <laughs> She's like, I can't believe you used that quote. <laughs> Which he, he says, Wayne specifically requested that. <laughs> I don't know that I'd yeah. put it that way. He sarcastically said, yeah, why don't you put it on a plaque? <laughs> but, you know, he, he Wax, Wax says, takes things very seriously. Yeah. He's trying to remember his friend. But he says that the, they're also going to change out the lower plaque now and then. <laughs> As if Wayne wouldn't have loved it, though. Right? Yeah, he would have. <laughs> Whatever the like the afterlife after the cognitive realm is, somewhere he is up there pissing himself laughing while he follows Vin and Ellen around, who are just like, would you leave us alone, please? <laughs> and 
And so they're they're looking at the statue. Wax has, you know, that little the the dull ache that would always be there for his friend. He stares and the kids are preparing for another tour of the roughs. So after two years, he's finally managed to get his idea through. There is a national assembly for the cities in the basin and the roughs are next. Some people out there want to be their own country. He's hoping that he can persuade them they should be united. And here comes Marisai wearing Wayne's actual lucky hat. He left it to her in his will. That was cute. Yeah. That is really sweet. Wax thought he hadn't been left anything until certain items had started showing up. <laughs> There's Today was a taxidermied frog in his coat pocket, along with a note apologizing. Apparently the instructions had been for a live frog, but they hadn't been able to bring themselves to do it. Yeah, break into your house to leave something in your coat pocket? Totally fine. A living thing? Nah, nah, that's a line. <laughs> I feel like a live frog would have exited the pocket before Wax even got there, so really, the, their idea was probably better. Yeah. Yeah. And Maris is like, do you have a, did you ever find out who, who is doing this? And he's like, I assume it was the guys who handle his estate from how polite and apologetic the notes are. Wax says that last time it was a half-eaten sandwich, or a half-a-sandwich, half sandwich. I guess not, not wasn't necessarily half-eaten. She says she's like, well, yeah, it's gross. Sarah is like, well, yeah, it's gross, but it shows remarkable planning on Wayne's part. It's the sort of thing we should encourage. And Maris is like, well, he's dead. She's like, okay, well, then it's the sort of thing we should respect. <laughs> Wax goes, I'm sure they'll run out of items on his list soon enough. And Maris is like, when did Wayne ever let a joke die in his life? So Maris, we find out, has been appointed ambassador to the South for the basin, and. uh Wax is like, I'm surprised that you're leaving, like, the police behind. I thought that was your dream. She's like, my dream was to do more. And he's like, wait, you're planning something, aren't you? And after a minute, uh, he, 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 he does land on, like, you, you're trying to be the, you want to be the governor, don't you? Yeah. And she's like, yeah, you know. Uh, and Steris knew, but uh, she's like, it wasn't my secret to tell. Yeah, I think this was the most, maybe one of the most surprising revelations to me. I, that's not the path. I had expected for her to take, um, but you know, she's on her own journey, obviously. Yeah. So, yeah. Maybe in the next era, we'll, we'll hear the history of like the, the greatest governor in the history of Ellendale, which I'll pay because honestly, like Marisol is a, is a great character and I've really come to respect her these past few books. So uh, yeah, I see that a lot more cohesively than King Spook. <laughs> right. It, that it makes a lot of sense. She, and True. she's always had this way of looking at things that was very big picture. And so it makes sense for her to want to be in a situation where she could actually put those ideas into practice. Yeah. Uh, but apparently the relationship with the South has soured and they are n no longer. Most of the trade is not even allowed any longer. Specifically, they're forbidden to transfer any harmonium. So the North gets no airships, no investiture bombs. But the, It'd be an interesting time to be the ambassador down there. Right? Yeah. Unfortunately, the basin has enough of both metals squirreled away to be dangerous of trellium and harmonium. So they have they, they can make some bombs. War was one of the main disasters Stairs had to spend her time preparing for. And so Wax is once again having to ask himself, like, who am I? Lawman, father, senator. And as they're having this conversation, here comes death. And he's like, it looks good. And <laughs> Steris uh, is like, how do you walk around without drawing attention? And he says, oh, emotional allomancy. And that's and uh, Wax doesn't buy that. 
he doesn't really say anything else about it, but I think it mentions in here that it's like he doesn't quite believe that. That's not a, a completely good enough explanation, which is actually how the topic came up uh, that I was talking about in the uh, in the Discord because there was a discussion like I. Uh, if you store identity, no, if you store connection, that's what it was. If you store connection, which is Duralumin in Ferrochemy, people like notice you less. Like you, they, they don't. If you tap connection, then you can like make friends with people easily. But if you store connection, mm. then you become less noticeable to them. So I was like, maybe he's doing that. But that's yeah, how that this, sounds like a win-win. Yeah, make a lot of friends or just like get ignored by people. Yeah. Like. I, I see no downside to that. I would, yeah, I'd, I'd absolutely use that. But that was that yeah. was where I was like, would they have wasted a whole ferrochemist that they could have used to give a different inquisitors a, a useful power? Would they would they have wasted one of that on giving Marsh connection? Mm. And so yeah, that's how that discussion started. But uh, that's the only thing I can think of uh, that we know of that could be affecting that. I wonder if like if he. Trying trying to think of reasons for it, like if he ha- if he had the power of a connection, like and he made and he could make friends with people, maybe Ruin could see that as a tool for recruiting more people to be inquisitors. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe if you need them to be your friends, which I don't know that I have no idea actually. I mean, I guess if you're Ruin, once you've got enough spikes in a person, you can control them, so it doesn't matter. But yeah, all like all Marsh needs to do is get someone on side to get two spikes through them, and then Ruin has control. So mm-hmm. plus, I mean, friends is a loose term. It could just be like. Connecting people, connecting with people on an emotional level. So, yeah. Uh, Maris is like, "Hey, you look better." And he says, "Thank you. I prefer not to taste of my own offerings. It seems I won't have to for some time." And then he calls Wax brother because they both have ferrochemical, I mean, uh, hemallergic spikes. And so the Chandra and Death consider him uh, a brother of sorts, and that makes him uncomfortable, which it probably should, honestly. I, I'm there with Wax, to be honest. I was like, <laughs> oh. oh. <laughs> Also, like can you imagine like? Level, sure. <laughs> and can you imagine? So Steris is obviously never the big spoon in this situation, because. Oh yeah, interesting point. His whole wardrobe must have to change slightly to accommodate this stuff. Oh, did it, I thought it mentioned that they like were able to push it in or something to where it was flat. Am I wrong? I don't like, recall it didn't that. Stick out. I don't maybe, maybe I'm making that up. Because remember. I've been I've been thinking about that, and I was like. Yeah, that doesn't make any sense to just leave it sticking out like that, but whatever. He says that he's considered removing it, and Marsh is like, I'll help you if you want, but not all of them can be removed. I mean, the Kandra have knowledge of, like, all this sort of stuff. Could they give him a physical and say, yeah, look, you're good to take this one out, or no? Harmony could probably tell him if he wanted to ask. It's true. I feel like Wax is still just like, uh, Harmony, can you just leave me alone? Well, I mean, yeah, it says that. Like, and Harmony the point, could... Yeah. Harmony could talk to him anytime if he wanted, but had promised Wax not to unless Wax asks. Okay, yeah. He said he wouldn't even watch. And this is where Maris is like, Iron Eyes, is, is Wayne really gone? Like, are we certain? And we get an interesting insight into how being death works. Uh, he says, I didn't meet his soul, Maris. I only do that some of the time when says invest me with the power. I think he likes the idea of me living up to the stories people decided to tell about me. <laughs> Like, the fact that he smiles seems to imply he enjoys it on some degree. I'm like, oh, you do get some enjoyment out of your job. That's nice. It, it is pretty hilarious to me that, like, so I guess sometime after the Catacendre or whatever, people were just, like, they started calling him death and say, like, you know what? Why not? Why don't we, like, <laughs> m- that, that's, th- those stories are so cool. Let's do it. 
<laughs> Imagine like, how did he talk Marsh into it the first time? Right. He's like, hey Marsh, you want to go meet some dead people? And Marsh's like, why? Says <laughs> <laughs> so just like, I'm just trying to fill the roster, and I've had someone pull out, and I just need you to greet a few people, just like <laughs> one time gig. Uh, let's just see how you go. Says <laughs> you know I'm not good with people. I'm perpetually grumpy. Yeah, well, people expect death to be grumpy, so you're perfect. Go for yeah, it, buddy. Yeah. There's a webcomic that popped up on Instagram that, that I was flicking through. Like, two kids found, like, a possum's carcass. And, like, they're just like, oh, what are you supposed to do when you find something dead? And it's like, oh, you meant to leave coins with it. So they, they, they just pop two coins down on top of the dead possum and go on their way. And then it cuts to the underworld where, like, the guy, the ferryman, like, is just sitting on his boat, like, like looking at this possum ghost that's just rocked up. It's like, um, <laughs> c- can I help you? And, like, the possum just coughs up two coins. And the, <laughs> the, and the ferryman is like, uh... And then it cuts to the next panel. There's someone on the other end, like, going, what do you mean he paid you? <laughs> I could totally see, like, like that bit, like, death is, like, uh, Marsh is the ferryman in that situation. It's like, uh, okay, we're going with this now. Yeah. All right. Well, why not? I, I can't find it again, so I don't know who the artist was. But if I, if I find it, I'll, like, say, yeah, credit these people. Because okay. I, I, I laughed myself silly when I read that. That was the funniest <laughs> thing I had read in a while. Uh, but Marsh does confirm that Wayne is dead. And then he he nods to the statue and says, remarkable likeness. It took an intervention to get Vin's right. But this one's spot on from the first try. That's interesting. I mean, several people Vin knew survived. So I feel like it shouldn't have been that hard to get her statue right. But whatever. Yeah. Well, it was probably Ariane like telling them what she looked like and like being like, yeah, she, she had like a big hairy eyebrow and <laughs> she had dirty fingernails and all this other stuff. It's like, like, are you sure this is what you look like? Oh yeah, we were practically sisters. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> we, were, yeah, we went, yep. sh- we went out shopping all the time. It was great. Oh, and, then and, people... since, and since we were, but like sisters, you're gonna give me that for free, right? <laughs> And then, and then people look at Breeze and just go, "Sir, is your wife telling the truth?" And Breeze is drunk out of his mind. It's like, "Fucking do it, man!" <laughs> but Death hands over a note from Harmony for Wax. He says, "I've heard distressing things that you've been worrying about. I want to promise you something: no one else moves you. Your life is yours, and you have my deepest apologies that I had a hand in teaching you otherwise." And Wax is like, "You know what? All right." No one ever forced me to choose one role over any of the others. I can be more than one thing. This is a lesson he's learned like five times now, I feel like, but whatever. <laughs> like It seems true to life. Like you got to learn the same lesson a few times before it sinks in sometimes. Yep. Yeah. Sometimes, you know. Or Father, you just need different examples of it. Yeah. Yeah. Father, lawman, senator, he could be all three and more so long as he was helping people. And that is the end of Era 2 of Mistborn. So bum, we're going to jump bum, briefly bum. to the Ars Arcanum. Which added one new section here where uh, on spikes and compounding where Chris manages to get an interview with Marsh. I was saying to JB, I really want to know how that went down. Like, yeah. Finally tracks him down to his death cave or whatever. And it's like, uh, excuse me, can I have an interview? Go away. But I, I just need to talk to you. I'm busy. With what? <laughs> uh, death stuff? Yeah. <laughs> death stuff. To the Marsh cave. <laughs> It's like you know those like all those cartoons like the bad guys have a lair in a skull shaped uh, castle. It's basically right. that, but the skull has giant spikes through the yeah. eyes and there's balconies sure. on both the spikes. Very nice, yeah. yeah why would like, it be? I mean, that would be terrifying. <laughs> that that's his deal though. But I, 
I think my favorite detail in here is her is like as a side note, it's curious how news of his nature is spreading to other worlds. Is this natural rumor mongering or something more supernatural? Fuck yeah, death the cos the, like Marsh the cosmic rim raper. <laughs> yeah, that'll be a thing, right? I I am all for it. Let's fucking go. Sazed. It's sazed. He's doing it. And so she she writes that she can confirm as best as it can be attested that he is fully capable of compounding to expand his life, which I mean, it's the only way he could do it. So, yeah, he speaks of things of the past like hemallergic decay and the toll that holding so many spikes takes upon the body. Inquisitors during his day slept for many hours. The words of founding say this was due to the need for storing health. Marsh indicates there may be more subtlety. Yes, you know, he's had hundreds of years to learn to do it himself, whereas yeah. before, like, it was really the, the Lord rule saying, all right, now go to bed. Right. And uh, Chris thinks that maybe it's a side effect of the incredible burden placed on their souls by the nature of their horrific transformations. Modern souls, however, seem to simply reject spikes of this magnitude. She says she believes it has something to do with the nature of ruins, subservience to preservation in the current dual vessel known as Harmony. The level of corruption of a soul that was possible in ancient days is no longer viable. If too many spikes are added, souls simply stop gaining powers. Marsh doesn't think it's a conscious decision on Harmony's part, and Chris thinks that it's beyond the conscious abilities of even a shard to have changed the magic in that way. In the ancient days, Ruin was pushing hard on the fabric of Skadriel, leaking into spirit webs through any method possible, causing souls to decay faster, to accept more spikes than they should have been able to, and leaving the resulting person burdened beyond what was reasonable. At any rate, the end result is that there's a limit on the number of spikes you can hold without intervention, and most key compounding seems to be beyond the abilities of any hemallergist created in the modern era. The secret to cracking this and how to circumvent it could be of utmost importance to those watching hemallergy and its danger to the Cosmere as a whole. So this is a very long, complex explanation for like, yeah, hemallergy can't can't compound with that anymore, which we already had uh, had been told. But to me, the the details of like the the quote unquote science behind the magic are very interesting here. So or at least her theories about it. We don't actually know for sure that she's correct. <sighs> okay, so that being uh, – we are now done with all of the existing Mistborn that Brandon has published. It'll be at least a, a couple of years before the next Mistborn book can come out, so we are moving on to other things. We're going to do White Sand next, and I guess uh, while I'm mentioning it, for our first uh, – for anyone following along who has the books, uh, the, the comic, for next time we're going to read – the prologue and the first three chapters of the omnibus. So that'll be a, a good number of pages, but uh, we'll, we'll, this is going to be our, our test to see if that ends up being about the right amount of, uh, of reading or not. And then from there on, I will, I will gauge whether we should do more or, or less for future sections. But yeah, the first, uh, the first, the prologue in the first three chapters. And there's a, uh, it's, it's interesting because the book, some of the stuff that was added for the omnibus is just like some pages of basically exposition. Like here's details about how this world works, but like kind of like the Ars Arcanum that, you know, it's written by somebody in universe to explain various things. So there's, there's some stuff that's kind of thick in there, uh, you know, text wise more than you might expect for a graphic novel, basically. Anyway, yeah, more, more thick books. <laughs> 
We haven't done that in a while. There's one thing we like in the Sanderlanch. It's thick books. Yep. I mean, you know, we've, we've read many of them now. Sure. But in the meantime, uh, let's we'll do a brief predicament section. If there's anything anyone wants to try to predict here, I have no idea what you what you would predict at this point. But feel free to throw something out. I guess for me, I, I mean, I, I feel like it's not even a prediction so much at this point. I think something is going to happen with Sazed. I think maybe that ruined side is going to push back against that preservation sh- side. I would hope that that's not going to destroy, you know, Sazed as we know him, but maybe he's already slowly deteriorating away. I don't know. Mm. Um, I think I, I previously predicted that maybe he'll actually split himself in two, darker nature against lighter nature. Don't know exactly how that would work. But obviously holding these two shards in one being is not working. At least not in the long run. So something something bad's going to happen. And yeah, we may see Kelsier and Sazed on the opposite ends of some kind of war. Kelsier has already held the power of a god at one point at one time. This you know half of what Sazed had. Um, mm-hmm. You'd hate you'd hate to see one of them become all ruined though, because that kind of sucks. Ooh, yeah. The nature of that shard is pretty nasty. It seems like. Yep. And so you know. I'm not sure what that what shape that's going to take, but some kind of conflict between them, I think, is is bound to happen. And maybe that will be the focus of era three. But I don't know. We'll see, I guess. That's really the only prediction I have. Uh, I think all our other characters, if there's going to be as much time between era two as era three, I think all our other characters will be gone by that point unless Mm, they do some possible. Yeah, unless they do some crazy magic. So that's that's really all I got as far as predicaments. Oh, yeah, that's fair. And, uh, yeah, I mean, seems like a pretty solid prediction to me. Uh, this is maybe the first time that I'm like, I have no idea. So yeah. that's true. You want to you want to do a prediction based on <laughs> just that knowledge or no? I guess that might be hard for you. It, yeah, it might be a little tricky to not include other things. But honestly, I'd probably it'd probably be similar to what you had. It's like, I, I guess this is going to happen. Yeah, I mean, they've they lent pretty heavily on something's going wrong with Harmony, something's going wrong with Harmony. And then to have it brought up in the epilogue as well, it's, it's got to go somewhere next. I think it's interesting, all the stuff about the different technology that they need to obviously generate in in order to actually have a, a fighting chance of survival for their planet. I think I would say in Era 3 where we're not going to have, I mean, you, you'll probably still have Marsh, Kelsia, Sazed. I think we'll probably see them again our uh, key players from this book, I feel, will be the stuff of legend, much like Vin and Ellen and Spook, mm. dare I say. Uh, <laughs> I, I think we'll probably have heard, you know, reference to them, but maybe maybe not so much in the way of this one. But I think we sort of touched on it, like, very early on, Data. You were saying that Brandon had an idea kind of for each of the, the Mistborn eras. You know, we're really, we're re- really are looking at, you know, into planetary travel and and players and all that sort of stuff. So I think that's probably where we're going in the next one. We're going to be fighting the 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 bigger war, yeah, whatever that looks like. Probably bringing in other people from other planets and all that sort of stuff. But yeah, that's that's honestly really all I've got to. I don't really know where else you go with it from there. Okay. Yeah. No, I mean that uh, that would also make sense. I mean, and I'm I'm honestly kind of hoping that uh, that at least part of what you're saying is right, that we're going to see a lot more, you know, other planet involvement uh, by that time than we have in some of the pre- previous things. So, 
Yeah, and I like I don't know that. First of all, you couldn't ignore it now. Now that it's out there and you know and you've already interacted with people on Skadrial, you couldn't ignore it. It would have to be part of it. Mm. Yeah, no, I I I agree with the others in uh, what they've said so far is coming up. Yeah, I think there will be the Sazed Kelsier fight, which will be really interesting and terrifying seeing them against each other. They've They've gone to all that effort to keep Marsh alive, so I feel like, hey, history repeats, I'm calling Marsh will be in the next era. Right, yeah, if he didn't make it all the way there after all this trouble, it would seem weird. Yeah, they really hard, like, two of the epilogues we read, made, we read today made a point of Marsh is still around and kicking, so there's got to mm-hmm. be a reason for that. I also like this idea of him being the Grim Reaper for the Cosmere at large, <laughs> you know, depending on how the sazed Kelsier conflict goes, like, he might have to choose a side between the one of them. Yeah. And it, you know, he does he choose his brother or does he choose the guy who like the powers are sustaining him? So that'll be. I mean, yeah, he he calls uh, Wax his brother, so he thinks of the Kandra as as his brothers as well. So it's like it might be a Sage thing. He might have to betray his brother, and that might be just a sign of how far Kelsier has fallen. But who knows at this point? As for other stuff, I feel like um, given we got so much of. The what was Kelsey's organization called? The Ghost Bloods. Ghost Bloods, yep. Yeah, so I feel like they'll probably play a part elsewhere in the Cosmere because um, they they claim their overall goal is to is to save Skadriel, which I totally get. But it might be nice to see like in some other books, like uh, maybe Kelsey or one of his agents will pop up on a recruiting drive in some other planet mm. somewhere. So that so that might be cool. I I feel like. Like that's that's a concept that could easily translate into some other series without you know being to pull the curtain back or something. Sure. So that so that might be nice. I don't, I don't know when that might happen, but that'd be cool. And I feel like Milan's uh, epilogue as well, where she sees a bunch of red-haired people who've been displaced or something. I feel like so she's part of says humanitarian efforts to try and save people who have been displaced by the wars of the shards, maybe. I feel like Milan could could also easily show up, and uh, we might see what happened to cause these people to get displaced. And yeah, I, I, I think there's potential there for more story threads. So I look forward to that. Yeah. Um, I, and then there's Hoyd. Who the fuck knows what Hoyd is doing? But like, he's <laughs> he seems really dedicated to Wax and his family in this book. I'm like, is he just like now the family butler who gets passed down the generations? Like, Hoyd, how have you been chauffeuring my grand like? How are you chauffeuring my grandfather and you're still here? <laughs> yeah. I don't know. Maybe maybe Hoyt's decided to retire from the planet hopping life and is just happy being a driver. I doubt it, but it does seem a little bit unlikely. But yep. Hoyt, yeah. why are you stuffing a dead body into the into the fuel tank of the car? It runs on corpse. <laughs> corpse powered cars, yeah, it's a new thing. You don't know. Yep. Uh, oh yeah. man. Yeah. The the thing about like Melon going out there and maybe possibly other conjure getting out there is that means Aside from Mistborn, like Contra could start popping up anywhere. Yeah, and you might not even know they were Contra for like you could get you could start really loving this character over like a book, and then you eventually just find out they were Contra. I could still love a blood monster. Oh no, I'm not saying that. I mean, there's lots of Contra that we like, but I'm just saying like sure it could be it could be a shock. Yeah, yeah. Okay, so I want to do a little bit of a retrospective here now that we've reached the end of our Mistborn journey. Just uh, just just a quick like. Uh, and I, I talked about it last time, you know, anything like your favorite, least favorite parts or books or characters uh, in, you know, it could be this book, Era 2, Mistborn as a whole, 
And are there any like plot threads left out there that you want to see resolved still or some or things that you're still mad about, like uh, like Dox's death, you know, that sort of thing? Always be mad about that. Sure. Let's let's start from here. Uh, we I think we all know who my least favorite character is. That's right. Kelsier. No, uh, Spook's bad. Uh, he's a bad character. He's a bad guy. Like he's not really that great of a guy. And I just don't like him. I think he's, uh, I think he's scum. I think he's a scummy <laughs> guy. Anyway, uh, you know, do that, do with that what you will. My, my favorite character. Are we talking? Are we talking like through all the books we've read, or just Mistborn, just Gadriel stuff? I was thinking Mistborn right now. Although if you want to throw something else, <laughs> no, out no. There, feel free. No, I, I was thinking that too. I just wanted clarification so that I know what my options were. Honestly, my favorite character. That's a, that's a tough one. But I think he I think my favorite character is probably going to be Marisai, actually. I think throughout the books, she's been the character that I think has. I mean, we we, we saw a ton of growth in all of the characters in uh, the Mistborn eras so far. I think the growth that we see with her is more fun it's more satisfying then has a lot of satisfying growth but her backstory is so tragic that it's very difficult to i mean i guess this is good for me it's very difficult to relate to Vin because i haven't gone through as much trauma as she has gone through in her life so on a personal level i feel like i identify more with marisai than i do with with say a Vin. but yeah i'd say purely based on her character type, the her reactions to things, the growth that she's shown, the um, she kind of goes from this wide-eyed person at the in the first book, kind of stepping into this world of things that she'd only read about, to becoming a hero and then moving on. And I think that's the only misstep for me is I don't like the political aspiration, but that's just a personal thing for me. It has nothing to. I, I don't think it. It's not like I don't think it fits with the character. It just for me personally, I think that's the only pitfall for me for her character is like I don't like that uh, path for her. But other than that, like I really like her a lot. So I think she's probably my favorite character in Mistborn that we've read so far. Hmm. Um, she's uh, and also because I think at least uh, the artist renderings and this is just a small thing the artist renderings that i've seen of her from like the official brand and stuff uh at the con i was like oh man she's cute so like they i feel like <laughs> they always make her look real cute and it's like oh that's kind of cool so i like her a lot and then i just want to i always do this so i'm just gonna add this in here uh where i rank this book specifically i would say of the books that we have read this is it's not my favorite thing that we've read i think sh the short story sixth of dusk is still the favorite thing that we've read i really really like that short story a lot but this is definitely my favorite full-length thing that we've read of his okay. uh so i would give this book i'm gonna go ahead and i don't remember what i gave sixth of dusk i may have given it a 10 out of 10 i don't remember maybe 9.5 but i'm gonna give this book a nine Okay. I don't know if that's the same as what I rated Six of Dusk or if it's less. I don't remember. Or maybe more. But I would say as as a novel, this one this one's a nine out of ten for me. It's it's almost perfect. There's there's a couple of tiny things for me that I don't like and a couple of stories that kind of fall flat at the end to me. But other than that, I think it's a very solid novel and a good way to end. You know, there was a death of a of a beloved character, but it, it wasn't 
it wasn't so abrupt. There was plenty of foreshadowing for us this time to kind of definitely yep. get ready for that. One other thing I think that I wanted to I, I meant to bring up because it is a big in the fandom point of contention. I'm curious to hear where you guys uh, land on this. So do you have a preference between Mistborn Era 1 and Era 2? Mm. So I'm going to say I like the setting for Mistborn Era 1 better. I like the story for Mistborn Era 2 better. Mm, okay. I uh, the westerns, uh, you know, not my thing. I, I've uh, there's a couple western movies I like, not a whole lot. Red Dead Redemption's probably the only western game I've ever played that I've enjoyed, and so they're just not my thing. I like Wax a lot. I like the characters a ton, and uh, again, I, like I said, I like the story, but I just like the older setting a little bit more. They're actually pretty close for me, but I think I think Mistborn Era One setting just beats out Mistborn Era Two for oh. me. I I guess I should throw out there that in the fandom, like I was saying, there it is a contention. You you see people on Reddit and stuff all the time being like, "Oh, Era Two sucks," and you you don't need to read that. Era One is like so much better. And then other people who are like, mm. "But Brandon's grown so much as a writer, and Era One, Era Two is so much better than Era One because he's like uh, improved so much." And for me personally, it's kind of an apples and oranges thing. I like them both, and I think they're very different from each other despite being set in the same yeah. place yeah, so i find it hard to like compare the two of them but i'm curious where you guys land on the whole thing no and i i agree with you i agree with the, the some of the listeners as well and the and people in the fandom it's like you can tell he has gotten better at writing you, you like you can tell it's it's better oh, easily yeah you so so that is definitely true that doesn't make Mistborn Era one worse. Like I, I like them for different reasons. Like I said, I like the setting more for one, and I like the story more for two. But I, I think they're both good. Um, I think, I think if you go back and look, I've obviously rated the Era two books higher each individually than I did the Mistborn Era one books because I think we, we remember that I, I didn't love a lot of the stuff that happened in Mistborn Era one, but that was again, like I said, story driven. So I like the story of Mistborn Era two better. Mm. Fair, fair. Uh, Jamie? I think on the whole, I really enjoyed Era 2. I think that I preferred Era 2 to Era 1. I liked that we had fewer sort of leading characters to keep track of. I find I get a bit lost when there's so many different people and so many different things, whereas really we were only having kind of two to three plot points sort of playing out at any particular time in, in era two, I like, I, I love reading crime and, you know, detective things and all that sort of stuff. So I think just generally this appealed to me a little bit more than era one probably also helped to like era one, we were trying to figure out what the magic system was and, and all that sort of stuff. You didn't have to do any of that this time, which is just the nature of how it works. I thought on the whole, I liked the characters more in era two as well. Like, not just the number of characters, but I felt like there was no... I know we had our issues with Wayne, but there was no, like, spook-level hate of any characters um, or Orient. Like, there was no there was no one that I was like, you know what, I really just want to... I really want to deck you. You're just very annoying. <laughs> you know, Wayne obviously had moments where you were like, dude, too far. But on the whole of the character, I was like, I don't groan when I read you on the page. So I thought that was a good thing. I enjoyed, I guess, too, in Era 2 that there was a political thing happening in the story, but it wasn't Well of Ascension level political thing 
<laughs> through the entire book. I think Well of Ascension probably still remains my least favourite book in all of the ones that we've read. And I actually think that Lost Metal is probably my favourite as well. I, yeah, okay. I just really liked how it wrapped up. I liked that it answered questions that we had, you know, from, from Alloy of Law. I liked how, you know, continuing things on from Era 1, you know, what's going on with Mars, what's going on with Mercedes. I just, uh, yeah, I thought this book was really well done. Just generally, I definitely don't consider myself to be like a literary expert or anything, but I just thought it had a better flow to it. The pacing seemed much better, uh, even though it's still in quite a short time frame. I didn't feel like anything was like super forced on you. There was enough sort of bits and pieces that you pick up along the way that was like, oh, that was that was kind of subtle, but you remembered it when you had the payoff or sometimes you didn't. And then you're like, whoa, <laughs> that's kind of crazy. But I just, I think on the whole, it was just, I could see myself just sitting down and wanting to binge read that book with some of them. You're like, oh, I'll put that down and maybe I won't come back to it for a, a week or two. You know, I know we look at it in, in, in depth and we do want to just keep reading. Yeah. I just, I, I really found like I could just sit there and just read this book entirely. And it was awesome. Favorite character from the series. Mine was definitely Sarah. I loved seeing sort of how she started and where she ended up. I'm so, like, happy that she's found her place. I'm I'm happy that she found love and she actually, like, it is real love. It's not just arranged marriage and all that sort of stuff with, with Wax. I, yeah, like, yeah, she's one of our main characters, but she's not necessarily the one who's driving everything that's happening. She's kind of right along with the ride for that uh, along for the ride with them and I think she was so important for each of those characters in in their journey and I just I just think she's amazing I think there's some things that she does and says that I'm like I definitely relate to that as well you know and the the anxiety that comes with things and having to overthink things like I completely get that level of having to do that sometimes or not being able to let something go but I think she was a real real strength and a real asset, obviously, to everyone in, in the book. So, yes, I'm definitely Team Steris. Woohoo! Love her. Unless there's – oh, there's – is there open plot threads that you, you hope oh. or you're ready to get resolved? I mean, thank God we figured out what happened to the, the, the women that were being kidnapped. Oh, so that was my I know, biggest right? gripe for, like, four books. But I just the only thing that I would want a little more information on, but it sounds like it's going to be left over and addressed – possibly later what happened to wax because something happened to him i know it didn't turn him into a misborn like says wanted but something happened to him he definitely had some abilities and weird things happening to him that uh, there's obviously some loracium dust or something that was inhaled there was enough to be salvaged to turn wayne into a misborn mm, so there's, right. there's got to be something there that he inhaled or or, or whatever happened did that last for him? Was it an effect for only a couple of days or is that something that's been going on for a couple of years? Like it sounds like in his epilogue that it's not even a thing, but that, I feel like that I would like more information on that. It could be something that'll be addressed later, but that I was so ready to die on that hill of him being a misborn and then it just wasn't addressed at all at the end. That's what I would like the answer to. Yeah, yeah. I mean, like I said in the previous one, I just assumed that's like he is a misborn and just doesn't know it. But if if that's the question, if that's the truth, then it is weird that 
he never finds out as far as we can tell. And like Joe said, what are the odds that we're going to actually see wax again? So this may be a question that never gets uh, resolved. I just have to deal with it. Yeah. Yeah. And look, I get that it's such a dangerous thing. Dave clearly doesn't want anyone knowing. He told Wayne that he didn't want anyone knowing. And the only reason Wayne knew is because he was the person that was going to have to do it and then die. He told Kelsey, flat out lied to Kelsey and went, nah, nothing happened. We know he lied because obviously Wayne was a misborn. He did say to Wax that he had hoped something had worked, but it didn't work the way he thought it did. Right. So I would think that that would pique Wax's curiosity to go, well, what did happen? Or maybe Wax would continue experimenting or anything like that. But yeah, we don't know. We don't know what conversations he had in that two years. Yeah, yeah apparently he doesn't really want to talk to Harmony. So um, even if Harmony wanted to tell him, maybe there, there's not going to be a chance. Who knows? Maybe in Wax's old age, he'll make up with God. <laughs> well, it sounds like they're on the, the right path to, to yeah. making up. Yeah. All right. So... I agree with you, Data. I think trying to compare Era 1 and Era 2 and say which one is better is just, it's not really a relevant question. Like, they're both good for their own reasons, and, it you know, you might enjoy one more than the other, and that's totally fine. It doesn't make the other one, like, the one you don't enjoy as much any worse. So I don't think that's really, like, I, I, think, I think that's just a dead end. For my part, I, I, like, I, I enjoyed both. I think I enjoyed Era 2 more. Partly because I think it was better written and the characters were a bit more fleshed out. Also partly because it's a sort of fantasy you don't often see, like that kind of setting. Like It wasn't quite the Western I had been told it was and that I hoped it was, but you know, you can't blame the book series for that. That's what I was, that's what <laughs> I was told by outside factors, so you know, no fuss, no must there. Whereas Era 1 did have a lot of similarities to a lot of your standard fantasy types. Of like, so like medieval esque society level of technology, like o- like evil overlord sort of settings. So not that that's a bad thing. I mean, the reason it's done so often is because it works, and Brandon's take on it was really cool. So, like, yeah. uh, they were both really good. I think, but yeah, I think I enjoyed Era Two more because it it stood out from the crowd just that bit more. As far as favorite book goes. Uh, see, I'm 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 taking a different tack on this one. I think Lost Metal was the best written book of all seven, but I think my favorite one to read will remain The Alloy of Law. Just mm. that was a lot more of a fun adventure chapter with hints of darker stuff setting up, but it was I guess it was just refreshing to have something a bit more fun. It had a lot more of the Western elements, which I'd hoped for, which was cool. Um, the train top battle and everything. And frankly, I think Miles, I've mentioned him many times, I think he's my favorite villain of the series thus far. Honestly, Telson, eh, not that great of a bad guy. Not, you know, not a bad villain, like did everything she needed to do. But in terms of just personality, memorability, I think Miles takes the cake. Like, sure. Like, I, I love Miles. I thought he, I thought he was great. And I guess Alloy of Law was before we really started having the problems with Wayne as well, before like those odd sides of him that we didn't like, that I especially didn't like, really started coming to the fore. So, yeah. Favorite characters? I have to say Joe and Jamie's favorites are, are the best. I, I, you know, I love Steris. I've mentioned that many times. I thought she, like, she's, she's been great. But I think the overall best character has been Marisai, really. Like... I have a lot of time. I think it's a very underrated character type. Someone who starts out idealistic and naive, 
and then over the course of the series loses their their naivety but keeps the um the idealistic nature mm. of it and like ha- and displays like a series of integrity it's like no matter how shit things get they hold on to their idealism and that's what gives them their strength and um i thought marisai was a great example of that so i was really happy with her story her development and as i brought up at the start i'm just like yeah i want I want to see the kids interacting with their cool auntie Marisai because <laughs> she, I think, yeah, like she's an understated character and that's kind of an advantage to her because it's like, yep, that's what she is and that's what she does. That's part of what makes her great. Like, you know, she had the power of gods and said, that ain't me and gave it up. Yeah. I think, I, yeah, I think Marisai has a lot of integrity and I've really watched, I've really enjoyed watching that development as we go. That makes sense. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I think I think on the whole, Era Two's characters, but like for the most part, were more, were more well developed and better written than Era One's. Like Era One still had great characters like Kelsier and Marsh and Vin Elland and Tensoon and Says, but like a lot of their supporting characters were basically just kind of there. Whereas right. in this in this one, some of the supporting characters like uh, Constable Reddy. Like got their moments of development as well, and you got to go. Oh, it's cool that the side characters over here, like, got their moments. Whereas a lot, like, a lot of the supporting characters in Era One didn't really have that. And when they did, it's kind of just like a, oh, okay, Damu has a girlfriend now. <laughs> cool. Like, not necessarily bad, but just like it, it, it like their development just kind of happened. It was kind of a, oh, this is a thing now. Like, oh, sure, whatever. Whereas this time we got to see growth gradually from side characters like even alec yep, yep. Uh, you know he's only only around for basically a book and a bit but we saw some nice development from him so to me the uh, a perfect example of what you're talking about because i agree with you definitely is you compare you know some of the side characters like you mentioned gordell i think in the last episode or yeah. somebody on that level from the original trilogy with even even like jack and Handerwim, who are such side characters that they're not even like, I don't think either of either of them ever appears in actual uh, fact in, in these books, even they feel like they have more personality individually than Gordel did to me. Yeah. Yeah. Gordel started as the guard who let Vin into the palace and ended as the guard who let Vin into the palace. It's like, you find out more about him. It's like, he's got a family and he volunteers to do that dangerous mission where Marsh winds up killing him, but he didn't really grow past the guard. Yeah. And so there's even even like bigger characters than Gordel. Like I think in the in the last book we got like Beldry who Swoop falls in love with, and I feel like she's she also is pretty much one dimensional. Um, yeah. Despite having like tricked them and hidden her allomancy and stuff, I'm just like I don't really know her, and I still feel like you know even the the smallest side characters here get kind of more personality. Yeah, I, I we don't guess... know her, and we definitely don't know why she's sad. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, like the development of the, like the side characters just feels a lot more organic here than in the yeah. original trilogy. I guess is the best way of putting it. And again, this is not to say that the original trilogy is bad. I quite like them, and I look forward to reading them again. But I think on the whole, like the second tetralogy, I think we called it, just on the whole was better. And I guess an- another thing is like the length of the books was just a bit snappier. Like the pace worked really well. The Sandlanch yeah. didn't just just seemed to be. All of a sudden, we get to the end of this massive tome where all this shit's going down. Like it's it 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 felt like a more natural build up as we went. I say this looking at my shelf and looking at all the Stormlight books, which are divided into <laughs> two. Each. Like, oh right. Jesus, okay. Uh, so yeah, that's gonna be a thing. Yeah, that's gonna be a thing. But yeah, like 
on the on the whole, I enjoy the series. But like side note, I st- I agree with Joe. I still think Six of the Dusk is the best story that we've read so far. Mm. Uh, mine, I think, is probably The Emperor's Soul. Soul is my yeah. favorite thing. Yeah, but I, I have to say I agree with you on one point that I think my favorite of Era Two, at least, is Alloy of Law, and it's just. Maybe it's it's partly that it's all so new and that it feels like so kind of like snappy and bite sized and like standalone that I'm like, I can go back and reread Alloy of Law anytime. And it's uh, it's a lot of fun. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, my overall favorite is probably still remains the final empire. I don't know that anything's going to unseat that because I just that was like that's, my first Brandon book and I love it so much. That's fair. But I think like what I was talking about with the books like you know because they're shorter the pace is goes a bit easier through them to get to the sandlanch i think you can say yeah. that of these of, of era two as a whole because you start with the nice breezy alloy of law you get a bit darker with shadows of self then you get more action-packed with bands of morning until you get to the lost metal and that's where shit really goes down mm-hmm. like so like it's easy it's easy to see these four books as one continuous sandlanch rather than era one because final empire sure. had had a lot more going on and then well of a sand like we talked about it we felt it kind of dragged a bit before it get to the got to the chaos that was hero of ages so yeah i'd also tend to agree with you that i think telson doesn't uh, is it the most interesting villain and partly it's because we had miles we had suit we even had bleeder that they got to be their own sort of things and telson by the time she really comes into being the the bad guy she starts getting overshadowed by autonomy and so it's like well she never yeah. really had much to do on her own i feel like and yeah. that's and that's one of the only things that falls flat for me in this book, which is why, you know, I didn't give it like a perfect rating. It's like her end is just kinda like wow. Okay. Yeah. Well it's just there's that much to it. It's not that interesting. It's almost like, well, we don't really care about her anymore. We're moving on to saving the world. And I'm wondering if like that was meant to be intentional because like she was working for autonomy and autonomy's whole thing was to go big and ambitious and then as a sign of falling out of autonomy's favor, her death was so ignominious. Maybe, yeah, but that, that or maybe, that yeah. I mean, you you may not be wrong. It may also have been a sign of like what 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 the place the place that she had in Wax's life. It's like she didn't loom that large in his life at any point. It's like by the time she does come to loom large, it's because of the problems that she's causing. And then just as just as quietly as she left his life, you know, she's gone. I don't know. Yeah, interesting point. Hmm. Okay. See, I we've gotten requests in the past to do like just like an episode to wrap up things and kind of have that same sort of discussion. And we've talked about it before and been like, well, we think we've already said most of what we had to say by this point. But I felt like it was worth taking uh, a, a little bit to, even if not a sure. whole episode, like to wrap up now that we're wrapping up Mistborn as a whole, at least as it exists so far. Well, we sort of did it at the end of Era 1, didn't we? We did like a half episode. You know what? I think. It may have been 11th Metal. I think you're right, except we did, like, best predictions after Final Empire. Because I have a note on here to, like, along with 11th Metal, do a most accurate prediction segment in here. Right. So, yeah, we we didn't do as much of an Era 1 retrospective, I guess. I I vaguely recall we did, because I definitely remember we talked about who our favorite villain was of Era 1, and no one picked Ruin. Yeah, that's true. It may maybe it was the episode that we did the traveler because we did the traveler as like a play thing. Oh uh, yeah, that I think that's probably what it was. That would have been it. Yeah. Okay, so we have and we're running kind of long this one. Uh, we have several emails. I think I'll save some for the next one. But first, we have a new review and a couple new patrons. So we'll do those right off. Nice. So the review is from Talon, who, if you guys remember last time. 
Talon was the one that we had the email and then the follow-up email and the follow-up email. <laughs> and so uh, they left us a five-star review on Apple Podcasts in the U.S. It says, love the podcast. This is what I was looking for. And DJ and DJ are very funny. That's the review. Oh, Talon, you're a slider. Ooh, nice. Okay. So, yeah, we have two new patrons at the misting level. The first Ooh. one is Carter. Okay. Carter, uh, you're a pinnacle. Mm. You store determination, Electrum. Be determined, Carter. Sure. Make sure you are you got that going for you. Yeah. And since we were talking about it earlier, what was the other person's name? I'm sorry. Uh, the second person, I haven't, I didn't say yet. Oh, my is, bad. Uh, I'm going to mispronounce this. It's spelled K-A-U-S-T-U-B-H. So, Kaustub. All right. Well. For you, my friend, since we were talking about it earlier, you are a connector. You store connection. It could be, could be a very cool cool thing to use. We, we discussed that, yeah. Yeah. So thank you, people uh, who are leaving reviews, backing us on Patreon. You guys are awesome. I'm, I'm about to start recording because just today, the uh, the newest, the second secret history, or not secret, the second <laughs> secret project for the year of Sanderson came out. Secret uh, project two, secret history two. Yeah, that would be a much more reasonable title than the actual title, which is going to be a mouthful. I'm going to have to come up with a way to shorten it because, geez. Yeah, it is a pretty long title. Well, what is it? Uh, it is. One second. I'll bring it up so I don't say it wrong. It is called The Frugal Wizard's Handbook for Surviving Medieval England. OK, so not a Cosme book. Then. Right. Yeah, we knew coming in uh, <laughs> one of, them, of the four books, three of them were in the Cosmere and one of them was not. So I'm guessing I haven't started this one yet. Pretty sure it's not going to be a Cosmere one. <laughs> just, just, yeah, just, it uh, does say England right in the title, yeah, so you would yeah. assume that it's based on Earth. Yeah. Space England. Yeah, it's going to be Space yeah. England. It turns Welcome out that's an Arianus Gabriel. Space England. See, that's what we need. We need a medieval style fantasy in space. <laughs> okay, let's see. Uh, I'm going to read one or two of these emails, and then we'll, we'll we will move on. The first one is from Michael. And it says, on the topic of those metalborn, quote unquote, hey, Sander Lynch crew, super happy you're almost done with the lost metal and can't wait to hear everyone's reactions, especially for some of the epilogues coming up. Data, this is more of a question for you. And then goes on to ask a question about uh, the people who show up and they're like, hey, Sarah, we want to help you out. And she sends them to sink those ships. It, it's uh, going to be a spoiler question that I can't tell you guys about, but I will try to answer Michael anyway. Brandon has, I feel like, pretty much said that that is that you. You're, you're, the theory that you're talking about, which is a popular theory in the fandom, Brandon has pretty shut that down, I think. I mean, the way he says it maybe leaves a little wiggle room to, to be one of those weird Brandon things where he's trying to trick us. But I, I feel like he's kind of said, no, that's not the case. And then Michael goes on and says, a question for everyone now. Where's Spook been during all of Era 2? Are there any theories about what he's been up to? Hopefully dead. I don't care. <laughs> yeah, I was going to say, I, I assumed he's dead. Long dead. That is also what I'd always assumed. There is there are theories out there that he has survived somehow, that maybe you know he he merged oh, himself no. up. But uh, I just assumed Why? that he was dead. Why bother? I mean, who cares? If we got into an epilogue, and at the end of the bloody book, Spook showed up and spoke <laughs> to Harmony, oh, I would have actually God. been mad. <laughs> yeah, I, if that had happened, I'd given this book like a five out of ten. <laughs> <laughs> Spook ruined it. The last yeah, minute. yeah, at the last minute, the zero hour, he came in and ruined the whole thing. <laughs> you ruined it. You ruined it, and I'm leaving. Yeah, I was glad to be vindicated by a fan at the con though, who also hated Spook. She re- <laughs> she wore the uh, fuck Spook uh, badge very proudly. Nice. That was the the Steris cosplay. She was she was cool. 
Yeah, she was cool. Love the podcast as always. It makes my Monday more fun. Wasn't to the time of next. Colo. Thank you. And then we will do do one more one more quick one here. Uh, this one is from Jay, and it says, New Mistborn Era predicaments. Hello from the Jersey Shore. I am very much enjoying your journey through the Cosmere. Now that you've finished the Lost Metal, what are your predicaments on whose bloodline will continue into the next Mistborn Era? Are there certain characters from the original crew in the Final Empire that you would like to see their descendants appear in the future? Hmm. I feel like Ladrian's going to continue. I mean, it sounds like anybody from the original bloodline that had kids, they've got descendants in Era 2. Yep. My guess is by the time we get to Era 3, those bloodlines are going to be so mixed that even if they have the name Ladrian, they're probably going to share such little blood with the orig- with Breeze that it's not going to matter mm. at that point, depending on how far in the future this third era is. And so my guess is they're all going to make it. Any of the ones that were in Era 2, but you know, at that point they're so diluted, is it really even that bloodline anymore? I mean, Wax isn't much like his ancestors. So. Uh, well, I think he said in book two he actually hated him. Yeah, wouldn't wouldn't, wouldn't su- surprise me. Yeah. Uh, anybody else thoughts on that? Uh, I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I would from Era One. I can't think of anyone who, like Joe said, we haven't got confirmation they had kids down down the line anyway. But a lot of them were such were so minor characters, you know, like you know the Hammond S line, the the set line, like they didn't really amount to much. There seem to be a lot of sets out there, and it's actually kind of disappointing to me. Yeah, uh, meow meow. I needed a break. Yeah, yeah, um, sure. sure. But but you know, I w- it would be it would be nice if some of the year two characters were able to profl- profligate. I think that's uh, the right that's word. A good point. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I, I I hope I hope that there is a, a you know a line of House Colmes that is is doing well for itself in year three. Yeah. You know. It'd be yeah. interesting to see if um was it Ulriendry's new status will um result in a wealthy house that That's a good point, yeah. That's yeah. True. Down the line. They can become very powerful in the future. Mm. Mm. That is like, interesting. Um, like they they own the football league. Noseball League. Yeah, that's going to be what they're known for. <laughs> they're the, uh, they, they, they said they were going to change the name of Noseball, so who knows what it'll be in the future, but yeah. Yeah. Shitball! I, uh, yeah. I don't want to go down this rabbit hole, because, you know, Spook's not great, but I, I was curious uh, why there were no Lesterborns that we ever came across, but... Uh, he a, fam- a family name, or was he just like... Was he like Cher or Prince, where he just yeah, had one name? I don't think that he had a family name for him. That's a good point. Yeah, I, I mean know. Ham didn't either. I guess his it became Hammond or was the house name eventually. But... Yeah, yeah, so, true. I don't know what. Yeah, maybe the the royal family at that time or whatever didn't have a, a family name. But then, well, you know, did he? Were all his children? Did he sleep with so many women because that all his children were bastards and had like, you know, <laughs> the last name Misting or whatever? Well, it it did seem like pretty much from the instant he died or disappeared or whatever the hell happened to him the the ruling monarchy seemed to disappear and they became a proper government instead yeah, yeah. Right. so maybe he had no legitimate heirs and that was what made it so much easier to because you think if he had a legitimate yeah. child that person would have said fuck you all don't form this government i am king bitches yeah. um and they yeah. don't say anything about a bloody overthrow of the successor to spook so you'd think that'd be kind yeah. of an important part of history Right. I think it more likely that yeah. he's such he's such crap that like when he disappeared and they're like, <laughs> well, he's not coming back. I guess we'll just make our own government. <laughs> I think the only reason that like House Ladrian and House Set like 
Set and Breeze had last names because they were noblemen. Like, I don't think, yeah, yeah. like, Kelsey or Vin or anybody else actually had a last name, so. Vin, yeah. Because what her, we found out in the first book that her dad was a Tekiel. Oh, yeah, that's true. So, technically, she was of House Tekiel, but I'm sure, yeah. you know, she never went by that name. Maybe he, maybe Spook just went by the Lord Mistborn, so he's, he's, he's Spook, Mist, Lustborn's Mistborn. It's like how. <laughs> oh, my God, what a dick. It, it's it's like the uh, uh, yeah. the the thing online where people just refer to what whoever they are, but with the last name of the thing that they're from. So it's like uh, sure you know, Vegeta Dragon Ball or uh, what, what was the thing that I kept hearing lately? Oh, there's people in the uh, people were talking about like Kelsey or Fortnite because Kelsey got put to <laughs> Fortnite and that's where some people know him oh, from no. originally. Oh, now especially no. people who don't read. So it's like good old oh, Kelsey no. or Fortnite. Oh, that's terrible. Uh, that's like it doesn't. It makes me think of. Uh, it makes me think of Godfather Vito, uh, like the, like the uh, the original Godfather and the Godfather in, in Godfather Part Two. Yeah, he comes over from Italy and the guy can't say his last name, so he just says Vito Corleone. You're by yourself, so we're gonna call you Solo. I mean, literally, how they got the name Spook. Uh, what's your name, Lester Bonds? <laughs> oh no, it's not. No, not anymore. It's not. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay, so we're to, to wrap up here, we have um, I'll throw music by Miracle Sound out there just because uh, I'm gonna forget if I don't. We're uh, as I said, we're gonna start in on White Sand for next time. So if you don't have the the comic, you don't want to go out and pay for the the digital version, which you can pick up at, on Dynamite's website. You can get the prose version for free by signing up for Brandon's newsletter, and the story is. Very much the same story, more or less, so you can uh, follow along for the most part. Uh, I think, like, the prologue in the comic is going to be new, wasn't in there, so that might throw you a little bit. But you could follow along well enough and for free if you want. But we are moving into White Sand next time with the prologue, the first three chapters. And I forget if I mentioned it before, but just for y'all's information, White Sand is the earliest thing in the currently published Cosmere, like, in, in the timeline. White Sand happens before anything else that we've read. Oh, cool. Ooh. So, uh, so, interesting. Okay. Yep. In fact, uh, I, of the stuff that's uh, that's published, not just even the stuff that we've read, I think White Sand may be the earliest thing, except for maybe like one flashback in some book somewhere. But anyway, so yeah, we're moving into White Sand. That'll make a that'll that'll give us like the earliest thing currently published, which is White Sand, and then the latest thing currently published which was Six of the Dusk. Although, they're, uh, with the secret projects, maybe something uh, will take place after Six of the Dusk. We'll find out, maybe. Thanks, everybody. If you'd like to send us an email, like uh, like these folks did, the address is thesandralanch at gmail.com. Find us on Instagram and Twitter and Patreon, where I've almost completed Tress of the Emerald Sea. It'll be a couple more weeks, and then moving right into the next one. Also, I've just put up... Uh, I've just scheduled to go up the unboxing video for what was supposed to be January's box, the Tress of the Emerald Sea box. Uh, I got that March 31st, so just before the end of the first quarter, and uh, opened that, and so that video will be going up. Not that that's a, a super complicated box. Dak and Jamie got that one, too, so they can uh, attest that there's there's a couple little cool things in there, but it's uh, because it's one of the boxes with a book in it, there's not a whole bunch of, uh, of extras. So come back next week, even if even if you haven't read White Sand. Come back, hang out. I, I tend to summarize these things in so much detail that you'll feel like you've read it by the end of it. So it's fine. And then um, be prepared because in theoretically, you know, about six weeks 
maybe maybe more, maybe less, depending on how this first episode of White Sand goes. We're going to be moving into Warbreaker, which actually you can also get for free if you want on Brandon's website. He has Warbreaker available to download the digital copy for free. So um, if you're uh, if you're not wanting to hear about White Sand, make sure you come back for when we start Warbreaker in a few weeks. Thanks, everybody. We love you guys. People who've been listening to us for so long and those of you who've just found it and then binged like crazy people to get to to where we are 140 some odd episodes in. My God. Was to the time of next. Colo? Oh.